this episode of Guhuna Octawahian, Voices of 81, we hear from Colm Scullion. A native of Bally Scullion in South Derry, Colm was a blanket man and a cellmate of Bobby Sands in the H-Blocks. Here, he gives us an insight into the songs, the stories and the crack that sustained the prisoners during those dark and challenging days. The stuff that kept us going, first of all, um, I would say to people that they'll have to bear in mind the place that H3 was, never mind H4 and 5. Um, 3 was the most brutal of the three blocks. Um, it was to that background, to all, all the, the brutality that was going on, it was that background that Bobby in the dark and Beck and the boys arrived under our wing and uh, I think it was 1979 and our morale was at an all-time low. We were absolutely hammered and there was nothing more they could do to us rather than kill us. Um, we are trying to keep our own entertainment and stuff and whatever but so when Bobby and Beck and company all arrived um, it was a fresh injection of new blood and stuff coming into the wing. So they're bringing all their stories and songs with us and that. But actually it lifted us and I think the situation at that time, when the dark scene what was going on for example, it was one of the reasons that they had prompted the, the hunger strike. The, the, the dark and Bobby and them said this has to end. You know? But yeah, the, the Bobby would have come in and he would have been certainly involved in the Irish classes. Uh, he was a big, a big influence in the Irish classes. And I myself was learning, I was the last in the wing to start learning there, so I just couldn't be bloody arse and doing it. But I went on ahead, Jake Jackson, I think, was teaching us. And but I remember Bobby coming up to my cell, and I can't remember who uh, who'd been in the cell with prior to coming up to my cell. But he came up to the cell and he was carrying his blankets and stuff, and uh, he just said to me, just looked at me, and he said to me, uh, Oh, Sean, what? Lord Mashaski, uncle. So I had no option. He came out the cell and he, and he wouldn't speak English. <laughs> so we got stuck on the stuck on the Irish and the only time we took a break uh, was eleven o'clock at night we spoke English from eleven o'clock onwards. Because the only words you were frustrated with that you hadn't gotten we were making up our own words and stuff. So I found it uh, very rejuvenating coming on coming under our wing and then into the cell and all this going on. But he he brought with him um, New new music and songs and stuff and stories and that, and there's a, f- uh, a well known story among uh, H three about Bobby telling the story of Jet, and we to this day we don't know who Jet was. It was about a Vietnam vet going across America on a Harley Davidson, and we think he may have borrowed the basis of it from a book that he read, and put his slant on it. But that's the way Bobby operated, even in, in Irish language and in music as well. Um, People ask me what's his favourite songs and stuff, and there was quite a. He wasn't. He was just a wee bit off off the beaten track with, with some of the stuff that that he had been listening to. And one song in particular, um, one song in particular was called "The Man Who Couldn't Cry" by Lloyd Wainwright. And the way they understand is who the bloody hell would be listening to Lloyd? Nobody would be. So, but that tells you something about Bobby that he was exploring all this stuff. And the lyrics on are quite, uh, really it's about this man, um, his wife had left him, uh, she ran away with a milk man or something, his dog had run over, uh, everything went wrong for this guy. And so Bobby would sing it, and I, I could never remember the, the, the title of it, and I'd be lying in the cell, nice Bobby, sing that song about your boy, that the, the wife ran away with a coal man or the, the, whatever he was, or his dog had run over. And I could never, I could never uh, remember it. And I remember then in later years, um, 
like in recent years, with the help of the internet, I went on the internet, and I remembered the, the I couldn't remember the name of the song, but I, I knew it was from Loudon Wainwright, so I googled it, and I got it, and it was a man who couldn't cry, by Loudon Wainwright, so I remember looking through the lyrics again, and I brought back all their memories, so I've been one of the, one of the songs that, of many that Bobby would have been singing then, he told us a story about how um, he had went to Galway with the guitar to, to a flat or a festival and he had no money. He had one penny in his pocket and he thumbed a lift uh, from Belfast to Dublin across to Galway but somewhere in the journey, I think it was Dublin, he got a lift with a lorry load of travellers and he was sitting on the back of the lorry, uh, bright sunny day, a pile of travellers and a guitar. And he got to Galway and he said to me, he said, I had one penny and I busked around Galway, slept here and there, whatever. And I had enough to get myself a cup of coffee and a sandwich and then thumb back home again. So, so we things like that, that we don't hear about him. Uh, so we things that make, make the human being that, that, that he was. Um, songs, he'd been greatly influenced by Christy Muir. Um, I know a couple of songs that he would have sang. Uh, one was The Heckler of Grouse Hall. And the other was the ballad of Tim Evans. And I actually become, I'm still am very friendly with Christy. With Christy. And it was through that song, Tim Evans, because Christy had come to Blahey one night. Um, and I said, you wouldn't play the ballad of Tim Evans. And he says, where the fuck did you hear that song at? And I saw Bobby Sands, it was one of his favourites. And then he says, come on here, I talked to you, mate, and went to one side and had a great yarn. And I don't know how long that was. Christy actually told me it was 30-something years ago. I think it was 37 years ago. But we've remained friends ever since. But that was through Bobby. Um, but he wasn't picking the popular songs that everybody would be singing. It was the stuff that was, you know, the, the unusual ones. But big into Christy Moore. Uh, Rod Stewart, uh, Mandolin One, was, 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 a, was, was a favourite. Um, he'd been singing it. Uh, a lot of folk stuff. Uh, the bad, the, the, the Henry Joy McCracken. Um, that was one of his favourites. And the Star of County Down. I remember him singing that. But uh, also big in the planet. Um, uh, one song would have been Inside Your Trekta. And Imprison Clun Mala was another that he sang. And then there was a pop song that Clannet done called Lisa. And it was a pop song on Ask Gilga. He was inspired by that to do the same himself. So what Bobby was doing then was trying to, or not trying to, composing uh, Gaelic pop songs. And, but they were all lost. And uh, he, you know, he'd been writing these in, on, in the wall of the cell and putting a, a modern tune to it now. The, his writings and songs, like he was a fantastic songwriter when you, when you, when you look at the, 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 the songs that are Christy Moore now singing today. Yeah, during the sing songs, a lot of a lot of guys would have their own songs and stuff. And uh, Hector, Jim McNeil from Andytown, Hector was an absolute legend in the blanket. Uh, Hector's party piece was "They Shoot Horses, Don't They," and I think the band was Risen Car maybe or something like that from nineteen seventy seven, if I remember correctly. But anyway, uh, Hector he would go up to the, the the door to sing the, the the song, and just as the chorus started, everybody got up the door and put their backsides to the door and fart just when Hector was about to do the chorus. And Hector never ever got finished in that song because he was in hysterics laughing. But we all knew well when to, when to get up and let, and let him have it. Um, the night, uh, uh, we, just after Bobby went on hunger strike then, uh, uh, he celebrated his birthday. 
on, on hunger strike and we had a sing song that night for him and we all got and I tend to think big Tom McAwee would have been at the country and western and he'd been singing he wasn't Tom to be honest he was a brilliant guy but you know he was just his singing was as good as mine and mine was rubbish uh, Tom he'd have been singing uh, some country and western stuff but one of the best singers in the wing was Bick McFarlane and I remember the night of Bobby's birthday Bobby asked to sing uh, Shooting Star by Bad Company. Uh, that was a fantastic song. And a couple of, Beck actually done a couple of Bad Company songs. Um, I remember Aidan Slane from Tyrone. Aidan, he, he made up his own song and he composed a song called My Swallow Tail Coat. <laughs> it was about a swallow tail coat. It was just absolutely madness. But no, I have to say, personally speaking, outside of all the brutality, uh, the blanket was the funniest time of my life. You know, the black humour, you're locked in your cell, and that's what kept you through. You just needed that uh, to, to, to see you through the next morning or the next day, just the, the absolute uh, the, the humour of it, to, the ability to laugh at your own misfortune, and that's, uh, that's what really carried us through. Yeah, the, the camaraderie I had was second to none, and I've been talking to former ex-prisoners over the years, uh, not necessarily blanket men, people who were in before the, the protest and after the protest and a lot of them have said that they envied the camaraderie had among the blanket men because we were stripped of everything and they, really the bottom line was that they were trying to strip you mentally as well and um, uh, you know it was people like Bobby and you know Eddie Fay and our guy who was teaching Irish great fantastic it was people like that Jake Jackson they were our Irish teachers and they were bringing all this like we were a lot of us were discovering our own culture okay we had a bit of it in the outside but not the extent that, that we were exposed to within the wing and it was limited in what we were able to get and I remember uh, if Bobby was looking for a particular song uh, we were very lucky at, at, at home in, in Balahi that our parish priest was a native speaker Father Flanagan and he certainly wasn't a Republican but he was, he was a gentleman I liked him he was, he was a good man and a great Irish speaker and my mum would have went to him looking different songs in Irish and then she would have transcribed them onto the wee cigarette papers. And then I would have, I would have brought them in, but they were, they were, they were uh, stuff that Bobby was requesting. And that bumped up and it gave us a thirst for our own culture. And I think that's why today, you, you know, you'll see in different communities throughout the Ireland, there's certainly in the north, where the backbone of the Gaelic revival, if you want to call it, has been ex-Republican prisoners. And a lot of it would come from that, from that period. I, I told a yarn recently um, where during the Irish classes, there was a big... We were really immersing ourselves in the whole uh, Gaelic uh, the classes and everything Gaelic. And then we're getting stuck into place names and then our own names, where they're from and what they meant. So Bobby, he... Some of the lads have been shooting across the to Bobby, like, what does this mean and what does that mean and whatever. But I remember Hector, he got up to the door and he shouted over to Bobby, like, Bobby, like, what's Hector in Irish? How do you say Hector? What's it mean? And Bobby, he studied for a while. He says, Hector... Says Hector means he who has nothing between the legs, right? Because <laughs> we used to joke with Hector that he was a card, he had no balls. But you know, uh, that was just that was the type of humour it was going on. And uh, so Hector then for a long time, Hector he got uh, we used to call him no balls McNeil, but then it was changed to he who has nothing. But uh, it was Hector and Teapot guys that got to keep the wing going. But that that was type of that was the type of humour that Bobby would have been coming out with. Uh, but only anyway, when he was in the cell with me. Um, I told him the story of Roddy McCorney, the United Irishman who was executed in tomb. And 
Roddy McCauley had stayed in my home place in Ballyscullion and that was uh, collected, part of the oral tradition that was collected locally. But Bobby was intrigued with us. And so he says, right, I'll do a poem. And uh, But I wasn't allowed to look at it. So we had a wee, there's a wee clean, like we were dirty in the cells, there's a clean place left beside your mattress and then one at the door. And Bobby would be, he'd just walk up and down and put a blanket on the floor to keep the feet warm. And he'd go up and down studying and thinking, and then he'd fire an odd question at me about what's such and such a place like, or maybe some of the places around it. And uh, he always would be fixing his hair. Sometimes he would have it tied in a ponytail and stroking the beard, and had the wee lead of a pencil on his, between his finger and thumb. And then when he'd come up with a letter or two, um, he'd, he'd go to the wall and write it down. And then sometimes he'd go and spit on it and rub it out and change it and whatever. So he'd done, he'd, he'd, he'd done Roddy McCarley for me, and the, when he had it finished, I remember he called everybody up the door, and I remember in particular Thomas McElwee was across the wing, was, Thomas being from Balahi as well, and McCarley looked upon us as the local hero, and he called Big Tom up to the door, and he rattled it out. And uh, so he gave me the original, and uh, I remember sitting at home, that's now in, in Dublin, the National Library in Dublin. Um, but so he, he had that sort of, um, how do you describe it? It's talent and skill to be able to take a situation and a place that he never was or never was at. And like when he, when he wrote to McCarley, you think he was something Valley Swiggin himself. Bobby was very, very much influenced by Ethna Carberry. Um, and you could see it in a, in a style of poetry. And Ethna Carberry's name, her real name, was Anna Johnson from around Bala, the Ballamine area. And, uh, he, we, we learned some of her poems. I think one was McCreevy No, there was and Pasty Finn and stuff. Pasty Finn, but it vexed her sore the day you left your mother's door, to the white grey sea and the strife and done. That was through Bobby, and uh, I think then he asked. It was a bit of a joke. He had asked one time uh, if the people in the Sinn Féin office could organise a visit with Ethnic Carberry. And he hadn't realised that she, the writer about a hundred years before that she was dead, and that joke went on for ages, you know. So that that was that was the type of humour. Uh, I do think back a lot of, uh, about Bobby and Big Tom and that, Kevin Lynch, and uh, I just think back on the, the funny moments. Uh, to be quite honest, we took the total hand out of the Belfasties, you know. I remember telling, uh, oh, I think it was Hector McNeil or somebody, you know, we're talking about. Like the Belfast ones, no disrespect anybody from Belfast or listen, they're actually stupid things like what do you eat in the country? And I remember one time uh, we, we were talking about sausages, and I told Hector that pigs laid sausages the way that, that a hen lays an egg. So the Belfast men, like we were having debates, cows laying, you know, they were able to lay steaks and stuff, <laughs> hens laying eggs, and whatever. No, there was. Uh, I remember one of the, oh, I can't remember who it was, maybe Teapot or somebody, he was asking me, like, Scully said, like, how far do you live from Belfast? And I said, well, it probably took you three days in a camel, you know, to, to get there. And he said, have you just got a camel up the country? And I said, I said, have you boys know camels? And uh, no, how long are you, man? He says, I think there's somebody in Bellevue. And he said, no, we have all camels and stuff, you know. So there was a, there was a great... You know, uh, they used to say about the, the countryman acting stupid and acting the fool, you know. I remember Jake Jackson was a great man for saying that. He said, listen to them country ministers, it takes a wise man to act the fool. But no, there's, a, there's great banter uh, between the, the countrymen and, and, the, and the city men. Uh, but Bobby himself had a great passion, 
for the countryside and we've made all these plans with what, what we're going to do and we're going to jail and like, he certainly he wanted to come up uh, to Valley Scullion and stay with us and I would take him up Loch Beg and I'd the boat and I'd go fishing and poaching and just doing camping there the stuff that we that we were reared with you know but he had a great he definitely had a great passion for the countryside and he was quite interested in farming but we had to tell him the truth and the cows I think he knew the cows didn't lay sausages but uh, <laughs> Um, very, very interested in, you know, farming life and stuff in rural life and like us planting trees and just looking after the environment, really. We have uh, a good friend of mine, Mick McVeigh, uh, started a blanket man group on uh, Facebook. And I related a story there, um, must have been a year or two ago, about one night I was absolutely lashing out of the heavens. And Bobby and I, the wing would have lit up at night time. We'd come into life and the screws were all, all the way. And it was late at night and we were up standing at the window and uh, we are just touching the rain. And it was lashing against the window, it was bright, you know, it was, it was something new. You, you could feel this bitten on you. And we were standing at the window, we were chatting with the ones next door and stuff. And uh, our arms hanging out and our hands trying to grab the rain. And I remember Bobby just out of nowhere starting to sing the Credence Clearwater song. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever felt it or have you ever seen the rain? And he started to beat that out and next thing whoever's next door started to sing it and the whole... The whole side of our wing were singing the Creedence song. Yeah, a great escape for us would have been the ability to take yourself out of the block. And particularly them stormy nights I was talking about. Uh, the stormy nights and the rain bitten under and you took me back to when I was a child with my father. And we'd have been poaching for salmon and eels at night. And I could actually smell the wild mint on the strand at Loch Beg. That's the famous strand that Seamus Heaney wrote. That's one of his favourite, one of his famous, most famous poems. But that's what we were reared at. And the, the wet stormy nights were nights that it took me away and I could smell, I always, always thought about the wild mint. And when I got out then, one of the first places I went, I was back up the lock, spent a day up there on the boat and on the strand and you could smell the mint again. You know, in later years, um, myself and Bobby had made many plans. He was going to come down to Valley School and I was going to go up and stay in Belfast and stuff, do all these things together. And in later years, I remember going up to visit um, Bobby's parents with my daughter Ashley and, and Lahine. And we'd go up and have a wee cup of tea and stuff with Sam. We just exchanging stories, you know. And I remember Mrs. Sam said to me, Oh God, says that Ashley's a lovely name. She says, We've got an Ashley in the house. And uh, I suppose, do you know why she's called Ashley? And she says, No, she's called after Bobby. As Bobby said, if every had a wee girl, she'd be called Ashley. That was his favourite girl's name. Uh, so it was wee things like that that, that we didn't know. And, uh, but I say one of the plans we had made, and I talked to Rosalind about it, was that we'd uh, hopefully someday go to Wee Door to brush up on our Irish. And I remember Mrs. Sands saying to me, she said, well, Colin says, you will go to Wee Door. He says, Bobby just got there before you and he's bitten on you. 